Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring Good Morning Amigo. Exactly one month to the day of my birthday. It's been a month since I turned 52. The Heat said, wait, we got a nice little surprise for your birthday. You just got to wait. It's, it's on back order on Amazon. And they brought it to me last night, wrapped up in the 125-113 bowl that was game six of the Eastern Conference Finals, thus solidifying and clinching a series victory over the Boston Celtics and their sixth franchise trip to the NBA Finals. This is the lowest ranked of the six teams that have made the finals for the Miami Heat. Pretty cool. Pretty damn cool. That's why we put in all that work. And we did not have any anyone who was third in the MPP voting because we didn't need it because we've got a team. The MPP the whole team is the MPP. Last night, the MPP was Bam Adebayo. Woo! Going bonkers. Work, oh. off-season, off-court. Work, 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 work. So That's why we're here today. Randomly, some, some box score on my... You got to see this, Frank. I can't even make this up unless you have done this. What's that? Some random box score has come up on my screen just now out of nowhere showing Lakers 83, Celtics 79 from a game on the 17th day of June 2010. Strikes me as being the final game of the NBA Finals in 2010. I don't know why this box score just miraculously shot up. It's a sign. But... but that's not a good sign. The Lakers winning this box score. Ah, well, I don't know what kind of sign it is, but it might be a sign. Why is that <laughs> box score up? I don't know. <laughs> Did I say something that voice actuated this? Big Brother is watching. I see like this little star underneath as if my voice is being heard. Therefore, they must have heard something that spawned them to think that this was okay to post up on my screen here. That's a little strange. That's okay. Everything about 2020 has been strange. And everything about this NBA season has been stranger. But nothing stranger than the notion that a team, a superstarless, although 
That's all about perspective because I believe Jimmy Butler's a superstar. Jimmy Butler had a play yesterday, Frank, that not only does he not get any statistical value for it, it was a five-point swing play. And I pointed this out to Anthony. He got a ball and retained possession on a loose ball. It's not considered a steal because as someone, as the ball was loose, as someone from the Celtics went to save it and get it to their guy, he stepped in front and got the ball, which then spawned transition three-point shot. Five-point swing on a play that has no statistical value, will never come up in a box score, and that's what Jimmy Butler's about. That's where I was wrong about Jimmy Butler. That's what Jimmy Butler's about. Jimmy Butler made a statement last night about playing somewhere where you're wanted. Oh, my God. I've preached that in all walks of life forever. Whether it's your job. You've you got to be wanted and appreciated. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I've preached that for a long time, and shame on me for not seeing that inherent value in Jimmy Butler. But then again, not a lot of people did. So anyone in hindsight, this is the, these are the ones that piss me off now. Oh, nobody should be cheering for this team because no one thought they'd be winning. Shut up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Do me a favor and shut up. Leave the indignance. Leave the holier-than-thou. Leave your pedestalizing for something else and someone else. Knock it off. Please knock it off. You're right. No one in their right mind thought this was going to happen. I know I didn't. Not Although me. when we walked out of here on Friday, I looked at you and said they lose tonight, Heat in six. Flat out said it to you. Mm -hmm. So, of course, when the mic's off, I get it right. I never wanted to get overconfident, but at the same time, was in awe. Even as they went up 3-0, I couldn't believe. Well, not 3-0. They went up 3-1. I apologize. I couldn't believe they were in that kind of position. I, I, I really couldn't believe that they were really one game away from an NBA final. And something that had been such a reality during the LeBron years, and then that dogged June 2014 afternoon when he let the world know he was going back to Akron um, it ran across my mind for a minute that it would be a long time before we ever saw something like that here again in the years late, in the years following this the decline was evident and it didn't seem it seemed like the economy of the NBA was going to run the clock out on Pat Riley and I felt like Pat would not make another appearance like this. Remember, Pat kept talking about getting a whale. Pat kept talking about he wanted one more dance. Like, like he's talked about this crap for years, and we just thought he was a crazy old man not wanting to leave. Not really, but some people thought it. Even I thought, okay, of, this is run. It. It. Yeah, I said, it. I said, this is run its course. That's it. Like, at some point, they'll be great again, but what's going to be the heat culture now? Like, we've talked about when he leaves, is it spoiled? Like, like, God, we've had a million conversations about it. Never, young Yandy, never, Frank the Tank, in my wildest dreams, could I have ever imagined the scenario that would have put the Miami Heat 
of all years this year in the NBA Finals. And that's exactly what we witnessed last night. Uh, Andre Iguodala, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So last night he scored the most points since you know when? Since last year's Game 6 of the Finals. Should have known that bringing that guy on was going to make something like this happen. He shows up, man. Unreal. <laughs> How, I was like, oh, my God, here comes Iggy. Here comes Iggy. I, boom, I cringe boom, when he takes boom. a shot. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Four yes. three-pointers. At one point, it was five for five from the field. I don't know if that's how he finished. You got to be kidding me. Honest to goodness, you've got to be. I, I watched last night in amazement. Um, the last minute, I was unable to celebrate, Frank. Because you're so nervous? No. I'm in shock. Oh, in shock? Yeah. Even well, my daughter said it. We came back because, yes, we did go to the streets with pots and pans. <laughs> that, so that wasn't a dream. No, that did happen for sure. Five for five from the field, four for four from three. Yes. I went did out. Did you wear your mask? I was in my car. I Nobody had masks on last had night. Mask. That's what I was That's what I was looking at in the news. Nobody, the media videos. Had, Nobody had a mask. I'm in my car. Do you wear a mask inside your car? Because I don't. Okay, but did people walk up to your car? like? No, the nobody was leaving their car. Oh, okay. Nobody was walking out of their car in Hialeah. Everybody was in their cars honking horns. Like, works, nothing. Though. On Bird Road, on the other hand, everybody was on the street. Yeah, um, I saw Larry Bird tweeted Road it yesterday that there was a DJ out there, that there was a whole chaos out there. Nobody had masks on. Nobody. That's it. Nobody. I wish I'd have thought of that whole DJ thing, though. You would have been out there DJing? What? I would have been at 49th Street doing that in a second. It didn't dawn on me to do it. You got to pull power from somewhere, but whatever. Generator. You need a generator. Yeah, you need a generator for that. You should get Definitely one. Definitely a generator. I, I. So you're saying that Hialeah people were more civilized than Bird Road people? No, I'm thinking that all of Miami was civilized. And that's something that I would love to talk about in this hour, because I will talk about it in this hour. We don't have the, we don't have the young broadcasters today. Um, no, we don't. Some made some empty today. promises about jumping on if the Heat won. We'll see about that. I'm not holding my breath. Um, so we will do the scores and we will do overviews when we come back from break. And then sometime in this hour, we will definitely go over what is my notion as to why there are some things about South Florida that are not just redeeming, but uh, that are admirable and should be copied around the country. And I've had this speech before. Frank's heard me give this speech before. Um, it'll sound a little different this time around. But the gist of it usually is the same. And it usually it makes for radio gold because I am passionate Passionate about pots and pans. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Still here, Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but I said Mr. Worldwide, putting it down right now with the legendary, the one, the only, it's official, Slam Radio. If you think it's a game, play with it. Dolly. He's out of his freaking mind. He's nuts. Crazy. And now we're back with Good Morning Amigo on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, we're back here on Good Morning Amigo. I'm not getting any feedback, right? I went without headsets. I've got the ambient. What do they call these speakers? I forget what they call them. Monitor speakers. I have those on in the background. I don't feel like wearing my earbuds today. This is the segment Young Yendi. Gets to feel left out a little in because I run down scores and do stuff. But you can jump in at any time. Feel free to. 
Because we start off, you know, Major League Baseball finished their season, and, and I spent that whole first segment talking about how great what the Heat did. And I missed on an opportunity to talk to you about something else locally that is beyond phenomenal and miraculous. Um, I have no other way of saying it, but at 31 and 29, uh, the Miami Marlins <laughs> not only ended a streak of 10 consecutive losing seasons, okay, but they did so by beating the Yankees in the boogie down. I believe they won the series against the Yankees in the boogie down over the weekend and clinched a playoff spot. Playoffs start tomorrow, best of three series. And the irony to all of this is this is what happens, Yendi, when you spit in the wind. By the way, nice cop. This is what happens, young Yendi, when you spit in the wind. Because very early in this season, when the Marlins got to COVIDing a little bit and had to come back, because they had played far less games than everybody else, for a minute, they were like a first-place sensation team. And as a joke on this show, it was said that there was a fake first place. And the person who said it was 100% right because the Marlins didn't finish in first place. However, this is the result of when you spit in the wind because the team that didn't make first place did make the playoffs. And their first-round matchup is none other um, than Frank's former favorite team. He's not allowed to have a favorite team since he's on payroll. His former favorite team, the Chicago Cubs. The beauty of this, young Yandy, is that he's got to be rah-rah Marlins without choice. I'm always rah-rah Marlins. I don't know. No, but right now you're rah-rah Marlins. I'm always and I can't even be your proxy in this because there's no way I'm rooting for the Cubs over the Marlins. The winner of this series is my champ. Well, so we have agreed here at, at, at Good Morning Amigo and at oh, Slam. Oh, Yandy's an MVP. What a GOAT. Wow. Amazing. This is great. This is great news. Yandy's my new favorite person. So we have, we have a little problem, though, because as it would be so easy to label the winner of this series as the favorite National League team of Slam Radio's Good Morning Amigo, the truth of the matter is over the weekend I received my specially made Joe Kelly T-shirt. And if for some reason my Marlins are eliminated, then you know damn right that the Dodgers are the team that I'm going to root for in the National League. So we're, you and I are going to have a schism regardless. But you see, Frank, this is what happens when you spit in the wind. Lands in your face. There you go. Well, here's what landed in our face. The end of a Major League Baseball season that was abridged, affected by covid but finished right on time. And we go to Major League scores around the league. Yesterday's final game of the season. Royals beat the Tigers 3-1. Marlins blanked the Yankees 5-0. Padres stopped the Giants from making the playoffs. They beat, they being San Francisco, they beat San Francisco 5-4, did the Padres. Padres are in the postseason. Rangers scooped by the Astros, 8-4 at 29-31. The Astros, with a losing record, will be in the playoffs on the American League side. It's the Nationals, 15, Mets, 5 in their final game of the year. Juan Soto wins the National League batting title and is the youngest to ever do so. Both teams finish 26-34 on the abridged season. Orioles, 7, Blue Jays, 5. O's go home, Blue Jays go to face the Tampa Rays in the first round 
of these playoffs. It's the Diamondbacks 11, Rockies 3. They both go home. Red Sox going home after a 9-1 victory over playoff bound Atlanta. Braves will continue on this week in their postseason bids. The Battle of Chicago's Cubs beat the White Sox 10-8. Both teams playoff bound. White Sox still finish with the better Chicago record at 35-25. and 25. Cubs end the season at 34-26. and 26. The Indians 8, Pirates 6. Indians. They'll be in the postseason. Pirates at 19-41. and 41. They're going home. Dodgers finished the 60-game season with 43 wins. They sweep the Angels 5-0. Angels finished season 26-34. and 34. Their GM gets axed after the game. In 10 innings, the Reds over the Twins 5-3. Reds are in the playoffs, aren't they? They are. Both teams in this game playoff bound. The A's six, Mariners two. A's finish the season 36 and 24. There's your American League team. They got a two seed. Mariners go home after finish 27 and 33. Phillies get blanked. Final game of the season. They're out of it. 28-32 is their final record. Rays win that game 5-0. They won 40 of their 60 in the abridged season and move on to the playoffs. Cardinals five, Brewers two. Cardinals earn a postseason berth with the win, but guess what? So do the Brew Crew. Another under 500 team to make it to the playoffs. Those are your scores. Uh, Major League Baseball. Can we hook up Jason, Jacob Rudner tomorrow? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll reach out to him. I believe we had made plans to reach out or to for him to be on tomorrow, but I'm, I'll uh, reach out again. Yeah, I think we had already made that, just making sure. You know who's going to be on in the next hour is going to be Will Manso to talk about the zaniness going on in yeah, Miami buddy. in sports. The mere notion that the Miami Marlins have advanced to the playoffs. They did so on the four-year anniversary of the death of Jose Fernandez. And I don't know that I want to apologize for this, but I do want to clarify. Um, I think maybe even Frank was wondering why I didn't bring it up on Friday. And I'm going to be very candid before I continue with the segment. Uh, allow my candor to perhaps offend you if you're a big fan of his. Um but enlighten you to the responsibility that I'm given for running Slam Radio and how I have to think outside the box a little differently than sports fan Larry the Amigo Milian likes to think. I loved, I love Jose Fernandez. He was not just iconic to me. I loved what he represented. I loved how he played the game of baseball, the game that I love. And I love that he played on my team. His death was major league sorrow in my house. Uh, as was my son's favorite player. My son's favorite basketball and baseball players were killed. And when that happened, it was somber for all of us. Uh, but upon learning the reason for his death, um, I unfortunately have to take a kind of a different position. I have to release my fandom. And I have to not say anything ill, but I am not commemorating it in the way others do. Not because I don't think his life was worthy of it. Not because I don't think that the child that he brought into this world, a beautiful young girl, um, missing her dad isn't a story in itself. Forget about the fact that the guy, basically one of my favorite players, to wear a uniform. And that's a short stint. It's not like he played 20 years like Jeter or Seaver. 
And, um, and it hurts me to not be able to love him how I want to love him, how I feel like he deserves to be loved to a certain extent. Um, but when your broadcasters are high school students, when your initiative is positive thinking and doing things the right way, it is difficult to commemorate the life of someone who lost his life in the way that he did and what he did prior to irresponsibly losing his life. I'm no one to judge. It still pains me to this day because I think this would have been a great day for the Marlins with that guy on the mound. Um, but uh, I apologize if that offends because I did get asked, why didn't I bring it up? I said, well, there's a reason for everything I do and don't do. And uh, I brought up Jeter. I think Jeter's, you know, it's positive and it plays on with my show. It pained me to not bring up Jose. But I bring up Jose today because on that day, the Marlins clinched. And on that day, it was pretty darn special to see Don Mattingly in tears. I don't know if you know this, Don Mattingly was in the playoffs once as a player. I remember. I with, didn't realize it was only one time. With the Yankees. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, in that short yep. series against the Mariners that the Mariners walked mm -hmm. off the Yankees. He hit 417 in that playoff. Wow. But never got a chance to. Made the postseason three times as a manager. But this run with the Marlins has to be special for that guy because he's been through so much itchy. So much. So it was really good to see that. It was really good to see this team be able to celebrate something like that. I don't know what the outcome of the series will be. And anything's possible in a short series. But I'd like to applaud the effort of the Miami Marlins, who are neighbors down the street, for a job well done. They took advantage of an opportunity. We discussed this, if you remember, Frank. Teams in a short season like this could get hot, take advantage. The Marlins took advantage of a bunch of stuff, including a division that wasn't highly contested. Had there been a team that played as well as the Padres, Marlins might not have made the playoffs. Marlins finished second place in a division that didn't have a true second place team. So they were a benefactor of some of that stuff. But be that as it may, they did the job. They won 31 out of 60. They won when they had to. And they deserve all the credit in the world for being in the postseason. I am so thrilled to be a Marlins fan today. Um, that made me happier than the Yankees playoff berth, to be honest with you. The Yankees will play. Is it the Twins they play first, Frank? I believe so. The Yankees play the Cleveland Indians. The Cleveland Indians, yes. Sorry, not the Twins. So a lot of good stuff in Major League Baseball. A lot of good stuff as far as the, the, the playoffs are concerned. Um, and it's a very unconventional playoff. Twins will play the Astros. A's will play the White Sox. The Rays will play the Blue Jays. The Indians will face the Yankees. And then in the National League, it's the Braves facing the Reds. The Cubs facing the Marlins. San Diego Padres against the St. Louis Cardinals and your top seed Dodgers playing against the Milwaukee Brewers. Those are your playoff matchups. Four NL Central teams in that playoff. Just kind of whacked. It's crazy. A little nuts. On the, on the AL side, you have three from the Central, three from the East, and then two from the West. So... The other thing that made this weekend so magnificent... By the way, there's no school today. We... We broke into school today so we could do the show. So, like, if at any point in time we get not interrupted me, by the, the police, record, I did not break into <laughs> if we get interrupted by the record. police at any point in time, we'll play a replay or something. But we literally we broke in. I mean, it's hard to break in when you have the key, but we snuck in. 
here to do the show. Like, no one is here. No, not as I'm not even sure. Any, like, I'm sure Ray Bredo and the gang, they're all sleeping. When they find out we snuck in here to do this, they're not going to be happy. But the show must go on, ladies and gentlemen. The show must go on. And that's exactly what the NFL did by starting their season on time. And with all due respect, I hate that there's no fans, but I love that there's Sunday football. And indeed, yesterday, there was Sunday football across this wonderful country and in the NFL. <laughs> Get it started in Atlanta. Mitch Trubisky gets benched. They put Nick Foles in. Doesn't matter. Bears are down to the Falcons. We know what the Falcons do. They joke. No different this time around. Bears put up a 20 spot in the fourth quarter. Come back to beat the Atlanta Falcons. 30 to 26. Chicago Bears. 3 and 0. That's crazy. In the game probably of the day. The two undefeateds go at it in Buffalo, the Bills and the Rams, and the Rams made a valiant effort to come back from behind. 29 second half points. Not enough. Not enough. The Bills, after almost blowing this, eke it out. 35 to 32. Rams now 2 and 1. This is for you, Eric Velt. Buffalo Bills! 3 and 0! Cleveland Browns are now 2 and 1 for the first time, I guess, since 2000. Is it 14? Is that could be correct? <laughs> it's been a, been a minute. It's been a long time. Now, they beat the Washington football team 34 to 20. Washington now 1 and 2 on the season. The Ryan Tannehill led Tennessee Titans faced the Vikings yesterday. Ryan Tannehill goes for 321 yards. And despite Dalvin Cook's 181 yards on the ground and Justin Jefferson's 170 yards, 75 yards receiving. Titans edge one out against the Vikings 31-30. Tennessee Titans, 3-0. Vegas tried to go 3-0. They get a new team. They're trying to be one of the tops in the league. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Bill Belichick's here, and we've got to go over there. No Allegiant Stadium. Not Gillette Stadium instead. Home of the Robert Kraft New England Patriots. <laughs> They get away with cheating. They get away with filming. They get away with uh, massages and all those other things. And they get away with 23 second half points. They beat the Raiders 36-20. Both teams now 2-1 on the season. 49ers over the Giants 36-9. Yuck. Terrible. Nick Mullins in relief. Jimmy Garoppolo goes for 343. They beat him 36-9 with a team full of backups. Yep. Incredible. Niners 2-1, Giants 0-3. Bengals and Eagles go overtime and get nothing done. Both teams remain winless. Tied at 23. Both teams 0-2-1. Joke's on them. <laughs> James Conner goes for 109 yards on the ground and a touchdown. That guy's good for that all the time. All the time. Steelers with a uh, late touchdown 
They beat the Texans 28-21. Texans dropped to 0-3 on the season. Pittsburgh Steelers! 3-0! Phillip Rivers led Colts over the Jets 36-7. Colts now 2-1. Jets winless at 0-3. Chargers almost pulled one out of their back pocket with a trick play on the last play of the game. Fortunately, the gentleman who got the pitch that would have had him waltz into the end zone for a victory dropped it. Instead, Panthers get their first victory of the season. They beat the Chargers 21-16. Both teams now 1-2 in the season. Tom Brady looking like a goat. Goes for 297 and three touches. Broncos remain winless. Buccaneers on top of the Denver Broncos. 28-10. Bucks now 2-1 on the season. Cardinals trying to go 3-1. They came up short. Kyler Murray goes for 270 and two touches. DeAndre Hopkins, 137 yards receiving. All that for naught. Lions end an 11-game losing streak. I guess that's to the Cardinals, is it? Or maybe it's just the losing streak in general. Yeah, they lost a bunch of games in a row last year. That's their first victory of the season. Cardinals dropped the two and one. Another showcase game yesterday afternoon. Seahawks and Cowboys, comebacks galore. Dak Prescott, 472 yards in the air, three touchdowns. Cowboys better not blame him anymore. Instead, they need to play some defense. Couldn't stop Russell Wilson. Seahawks over the Cowboys, 38-31. Dallas now 1-2 on the season. Seattle Seahawks, 3-0. And in the nightcap, Drew Brees. Zemir doesn't look like himself. I don't think he looks like himself. Well, he went 29 to 36, 288, three touches. But I don't know. It just is just, I don't know. I can't figure it out. Well, Saints do have to play defense because I'll tell you who did look like himself was Aaron Rodgers. He threw three touchdowns. Packers over the Saints, 37-30. Saints are now one and two on the season. Green Bay Packers, three and oh. Come back from break on the other side. We're going to talk to you why the Miami sports fan is the best sports fan around. You're listening to Good Morning Amigo, Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. Stelio Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, putting it down right now with the legendary, the one, the only, it's official, Slam Radio. If you think it's a game, play with it. Dolly. He's out of his freaking mind. He's not. Crazy. And now we're back with Good Morning Amigo on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio.
Yes. Woo! What a great day in Miami. I love it. Good morning, amigo. Back. Yeah, today I didn't feel like being a national show. Today I felt like being a Miami show. It's a perfect segue to what I want to talk about in this segment. The South Florida sports fan. The country's most underappreciated sports fan. And we get a bad rap. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something right now. Um, Frank, they could take their bad rap and stick it up there, you know what? <laughs> Guys, listen, I'm down the street from a plot of land that used to house a building where they played many Super Bowls. They played an annual bowl game in college football where many times the national championship was decided. It was the home of the Miami Hurricanes and the Miami Dolphins. In fact, the perfect Miami Dolphins. And when this town was a quarter of the size that it is now, would slam 80,000 people in that building to watch football, professional or college. So what the hell are you trying to tell me that we're Fairweather fans? I understand that this town has gone through a boom in the last 30-plus years. I know when I got here, there was no heat. Of course, the lights go off. When I got here, there were no Marlins. But I know what was here. It was the Hurricanes and the Dolphins. And they drew 75,000 fans all the time. When did this town become fair weather? I'm just curious. Because I know that in any city in America, when your team sucks, nobody goes out to the games. And I can't use any numbers now because we're in pandemic 2020. Or for those of you who call it the pandemic, it's up to you. I call it Insanity 2020. How, how did we go from being the town that you wanted to have? Hell, they had the biggest football game here. Here. Was that for the 10th or for the 11th time, Frank? Uh, I think 10th. Oh, it's, a, it's an event town. Okay. So November 25th, 1989, was that considered an event? When number one Notre Dame came into town and faced, was it number two Miami or was it like a number five Miami? I don't remember, but I remember that the Orange Bowl had 80,000 fans. And my mom in Westchester said she could hear the screams. Of course, I'm exaggerating. I'm giving a point here. Were, the place was slammed with people. And then three years ago, Notre Dame comes back into town in the middle of the fall. And what do we do? We jam a stadium up again, full to the nines, to play this team. When did we get this reputation of being a fair weather town? Because for whatever reason, you look at Marlins games and like heat games when they're not necessarily good and the seats aren't full. What? Heat games are generally packed. Well, because the, the Heat have kind of built this culture, and not to use the word, but they've kind of built a culture around, and it, this town has kind of more become an NBA town than it has a football town, as much as you guys want to admit it or deny it. 
it's become more of a basketball town. And the Heat games have become more of the thing to do, even though it lasts all year round and there's only eight or so Dolphin games that are, that are home. But the Heat games are the thing that people actually look forward to going. People like being noticed at Heat games. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I think it's, it goes without saying that this is a very exaggerated untruth that lingers and permeates around the sports world. But here's another untruth. Do you know that the, the solid nature of the Dolphins' season ticket sales says otherwise as to whether people go to games or not? I get it. There are times that a butt's not in the chair. But they haven't gone broke because people don't go to the games. You do realize that, right? It's not like their season tickets are at an all-time low. This is not... No, I, I'm aware of that. This is not DEFCON 5 Marlin stuff. But, but, uh, but perception is reality. Well, the only perception that is reality to that nonsense are the Miami Marlins, who draw 10,000 a game. Nobody draws anyone anymore, but I guess my point to you is, is that the whole thing with the Dolphins is very exaggerated. And I go to a lot of Hurricanes games when there's fans, and even the, even the ass games are full. Not at 100%. All right. I'm not talking about we're in Tennessee where we got nothing else to do. So 100,000 people go on a Saturday to watch them play Tennessee State or something. But hold on a minute. I'm going to disagree with you on there because I go to every Canes game. And you can't say the same thing when the Canes are having a bad season that there's people going to the games. Agreed. Because those tailgates are empty. The Agreed. vibe is dead. It's it, but it also going because they already paid for those but tickets. But it's not professional sports also, too. I get it. But then you have a season that they're playing great. Like I get, like right now, if the Canes were able to – if we were able to bring fans into the stadium the way the Canes – this, right? You wouldn't be able to find the tickets Jammed in any house. game. The tailgate lines outside will be around the corner. It'd be impossible to get to in, into uh, any games. Sometimes I root for them not to be as good so I can have an enjo enjoyable I experience. That. They're I, ranked I'm eighth I'm in the country right now. This is good. I'm obviously speaking just like exaggerated, but there's times that I'll go to the games with my wife and I'm like, you know what? I wish they just weren't good right now so then nobody be in my way and I can just go in and just do what I do because I'm a real fan and I'm there all the time. Yeah, all these people want are them showing to up win. now. But all these people are showing up now because we're good. And I say it all the time, and you see it a lot in the Canes games. Why do people get butthurt about that, though? Don't you want the fans to enjoy the experience? Well, I don't get butthurt about it, but you just kind of look around and you're like, yo, where are you guys? Like, I've made the joke all through this yeah. weekend through Instagram. All right, so the Marlins made the playoffs. How many people are going to take out their Gary Sheffield jerseys out of their closet? Not me. Because you're a fan, amigo. I'm I not said not me. You. You're right. I said not me. Because you're a fan, so it's not going to be you. But how many people around town are going to be like, oh, see, the Marlins, and they can't name five people on the team, let alone three? I get what you're saying, but at the end of it all, look, this is a weekend full of sports, and we haven't even brought up the fact that FSU got spanked by Miami, and Miami's ranked eighth in the country. Too easy. This town is not a fair-weather town, period. I'm sorry. What happens is, is you've got an event town with a group of transients like no other town in the United States. And even still, we're able to go out and root for the teams necessarily that we need to root for. Are we selective sometimes based on how they're doing? Let me tell you, that's no different than anywhere else. That goes, that's, that's across the board. That's not a Miami thing. That's a sports thing. But I think what's evident is last night. Time and time again, our teams do something good, and people go out to the streets to give each other hugs and give each other love. Bangs on, bang on pots and pans, may get made fun of, that's fine, but at least we're not having to sneak anybody out the basement of 601 like they have to at Staples Center every time the Lakers win a championship. It becomes the second coming of the Rodney King riots. Yeah, I said it.
Like, act like, act, first of all, act like you've been there before. Of all the cities that have won NBA titles, that's the one that's won most. Act like you know what the hell you're doing. Act like you've been there before. That place, you can never count on that. But I got to hear people talk crap about Miami. I got to hear people talk crap about South Florida. The same South Florida whole Super Bowls that had the Miami Dolphins, the perfect Miami Dolphins, that had the five-time, six-time national champion Miami Hurricanes, five plus the one they got robbed. And, and they get, that, they get that, that vibe, too, because and they get that talk about the Fairweather fans because, like, what happened in Game 6 in the 2013 finals that everybody walked away because, like, oh, we lost. Yeah, that wasn't an unprecedented comeback. You're right. No, I get it. But, but fans, for the most part, don't necessarily walk out like that in a final game. Frank, I guarantee you if it's in another NBA city, there would have been a group of people who were being caught on the outside after the comeback. Come on. We like to, we like to play it more because of South Florida. Really? Okay, if that makes everybody comfortable, then go ahead and do that. I don't feel comfortable doing that. You know why? Because I think it's bullshit. Because I've been living here 40 years, and I can say a lot of bad things about this town. The one thing I'm going to tell you that they're not are bad sports fans. Fairweather fans, they're a dime a dozen, and they, there's no geography to that. 50 states in this union carry Fairweather fans up the yin-yang. Don't give me no horse crap. And I'm not yelling at you, but it pisses me off when people say this nonsense. And I do get very protective of the Miami sports fan. For a re they're very unique. They're not that knowledgeable. You're right, guys. Sometimes they don't know what the hell they're talking about. But who cares? When you're a fanatic, are you supposed to have some sort of order of business? The order of business is for us that we talk on the radio about this. And I right now don't care if I'm going long. That's order of business. I like a broadcaster. I like the, all that's fine and dandy. But when you're a fan, you're not going to do anything. Scream at the top of your lungs, hit pots and pans, and that's it. Fair weather fan my ass. There are special places that none of that stuff plays into it. And you're right. There, those are special places that are better than everywhere else. Green Bay draws no matter what the team's doing in, a, in the NFL. There are other places. But bro, Yankee Stadium when the Yankees suck. There's nobody in Yankee Stadium. Don't get it twisted. City Field's in New York, the same New York that holds the Yankees. The Mets suck all the time. City Field's always empty. Like, who thinks that if your team sucks that people are going to go out in droves to see it? There are a few exceptions. As good as the Wrigley faithful have been, there have been some afternoon games of 14,000. It happened. Now, Chicago's not a great example of this because Chicago's a real true sports town. You're also picking an afternoon game. Yeah, and I'm being a jerk about it, too, but... Chicago's a horrible example because it's one of the great sports towns. Miami can't hold jo Chicago's jockstrap when it comes to that. But nobody give me any business. I, I, nobody appreciates Los Angeles more than I do. Love the town. Love the teams from that town. But they win a championship. They don't know how to act. Got to sneak them. When they beat the Celtics years ago, they had to sneak them out the bottom. And they had to go because the, the place was barricaded by people rioting. Are you kidding? Detroit Pistons won some years ago. set cars on fire. What the hell is that? Yeah, when the Kings won a couple years ago in L.A., there was cars and mattresses and a whole bunch of... Oh, man. You're going to call my, my South Floridians fair weather? Come on, bro. Seriously. We definitely do know how to celebrate. Not only do we know how to celebrate, we know how to act. So with all due respect to the rest of the country... 
you may not like our weather. You may not like who we are. You may not like our twang. You may be annoyed, whether it's Pitt that annoys you or DJ Khaled that annoys you or just the mere mention of 305 that annoys you. Annoys you. <laughs> the only thing I got to say to you is too bad. The Heat are in the finals again. You can continue saying whatever you want about my sports town, but it's my sports town. It's the one that I love. It's the one that I live in. The only exception to this sports town, I root outside of this sports town, lives in the boogie down, and it's the Yankees. It's because of what I've lived with. It's what I know. After that, it's everything about this town. There's no team in this town that I am not passionate about. But do me a favor, because there's one thing I'm more passionate about than any team in South Florida, and that's the South Florida sports fan. They're unique. They're different. They are not on the top of the list of knowledgeable fans, and I don't care. It doesn't matter to me one iota. Because you know what? When they win a championship, I can pack my family in my car, and I can go celebrate with a bunch of people that are supposedly not good fans, that are fair-weather fans, but they know how to act like human freaking beings. Funny how winning brings out love in them. I have forever said this. You want to hate on Miami? That's your problem. You can kiss my ass for all I care because it's so untrue. All these aspersions that are cast, and unfortunately, and, and I'm not hitting on you on this one, Frank, but there's some people who live in this town that do this all the time, and they piss me off. Your fans aren't more important than my fans. Your fans aren't more knowledgeable than my fans. Maybe they are. I don't give a rat's ass. That's not what's up for question here. Because a fanatic is someone who's passionate. Someone who almost loses reason for the mere fact of rooting for an interest, for a team, for something, for someone. They're fanatical about it. And I'm going to tell you, there may be, they may be on the bottom of the list as far as knowledge is concerned. Okay, But when it comes to being a fan of sports, so they don't go when the team is 12 games under 500. But I don't think there's a sports fan in America that carries the passion that a South Florida sports fan carries. And if you ask me if I could live anywhere in the country to root for sports teams, I'm good where I'm at. I am. I'm really good where I'm at. I love this town when it comes to their sports. I love this town as far as their teams are concerned. Yes, even you Miami Dolphins. And fans, I love our fans. I love their passion. I love their ignorance. I love their stupidity sometimes. There's a lot of it. Good. They're mine. They're my fans. They're my team. That's what you get. They're my family. They're my people. My blood. Those are my peeps. So you're in L.A. and you're rooting for your Lakers, I wish you the best of luck. If you're in Miami and you're rooting for your Lakers, I definitely wish you the best of luck. And as far as the rest of the country is concerned, I'm putting your asses on warning today because this weekend was a Miami weekend for you. The eighth-ranked Miami Hurricanes are coming for your ass. The playoff-bound Miami Marlins, coming for your ass. Yeah, and yeah, guess buddy. what else? The NBA Finals-bound Miami Heat, coming for your ass. Get ready, folks. South Florida's taking over sports. We'll be back. Yeah, buddy. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go.
This is Tua Tungle by Lowen. Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker everywhere. What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Serious XM. Yeah. For every sport of every kind, tune in here where you will find. And now we're back with Good Morning Amigo on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I thought for sure you were going with the with the Alex Dono rendition. When I heard the first riff, I was like, oh no. <laughs> no, it's business around here, bro. Oh, I thought you were going to do La Rip Million. No, no, it's, it's business around here. La Rip Million. <laughs> Rip Million. Wow. Rip Wow. Oh, I ha- you haven't heard all the parody songs, have you? She hasn't. I have not, no. <laughs> we-, we should dedicate like a show to just the parody songs so she can roll. <laughs> yeah, I- Alex Don. Freestyle or disco, we're good. Alex Don. Oh, gosh. Alex Dono, who can be heard here on Thursdays along his with his sidekick, Josh Friedman, um, used to be my producer on Dos Amigos and would come up with some gems. And we have them in the vaults. And from time to time, we bring them out. Like, there's one. The famous one is the one that is Karma Chameleon. Karma Chameleon, that's a very funny one, right, Frank? Like, of all of them, I think that one is pretty funny. Yeah, I got to transfer files from computer to computer. But if you give me a few, I can try to get some played. Okay. Today's a fun day to do it. I, I, I won't say anything about some of the songs because if he's going to really pull some then you get to hear some and the surprise element goes beyond like, anything like a weird getting a uh, weird al yankovic thing yeah that's kind of what it is and frank's trying to be inspired to do it but frank frank realizes it's not that easy a job alex donald's gems really are uh are yeah it really isn't that easy i'm trying but it's not that easy i have a feeling he has one ready to go i can almost tell Almost. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I see you pressing buttons. That's when I become become very concerned. uh, uh, Working on it. All right. That's fine. That's good. So this gives me the perfect opportunity to tell you about how I almost burned my house down on Saturday night. What did you do? You left the the cupcakes behind. By the way, I would like everyone to know that Larry forgot the green cupcakes in the studio over weekend. That's fine because everybody's anxiously waiting to try them, and I imagine the vestibule that it was in kept them fresh. And okay. There's good there's good um, uh, temperature control in my office, uh, so it, it was in very moderate weather, 68 to 70 degree weather, in a vestibule. Okay. So I think I think we're good as far as freshness goes. So I'm still going to attempt to bring them home and and give it a shot. I'm gonna have to eat another one to brew. That I, they were in, in shock that I ate the blue-green algae muffins that you said I misrepresented, but they were actually pretty good. I will say, Frank, a couple of people pointed out in my, in my recording that the face I was putting didn't necessarily convince them that I loved what I was eating. And I was like, well, I didn't have anything to drink, and it was like, it was weird. The taste was excellent. Um... David was mortified when I told him that I made well, the Well, I'll be honest with you. So remember, we had a few. So I, I was able to give a couple out to two people who were here. And they both enjoyed them. So it, it's now unanimous. Four people have tried. Four people have liked. My poop was not green. So My that, poop that, that was not green either. That was fantastic because I was concerned about green poop. It's always a turnoff, you know. 
If it's green poop, it's because your body doesn't take the dye in. Remember, this is not dye. This is naturally occurring blue-green algae. If you mix it in water, it becomes uh, tasteless, and it doesn't stain. It's really cool. Frank, you know that every so often I switch gears on Netflix, right? So I'm done with The Office, and while I represent Dunder Mifflin very well with my mugs and my masks and soon-to-be T-shirts, I have to move on to bigger and better things, as I always do. Frank, I found a new show that I know you haven't watched at all. No, because I'm still stuck on The Office. You haven't finished The Office? No, I'm like almost at season seven. Come on, kid. Bro, I got a baby, bro. I don't even remember. Was it nine seasons? I don't even remember how many seasons. I think it's nine. God bless you're so far behind. Yandy, not an Office fan, but I'm wondering if you guys have ever seen Shit's Creek before. Uh, no. I started. I started that one. That's good. Wait, that, um, that's Office, the name of a real I'm show? I'm going to revisit it based on your recommendation. But Listen to me. Shit's Creek is the name of a real show? On Netflix. It's one Spelled awards. Spelled S-C-H-I-T-T-S. Yeah. Oh, all right. Got you. So then we could say Shit's Creek. That's, that's why cool. I said it. Nice. Yeah, you scared me a little bit. Well, you know that on regular network TV, some people don't say it. Because they say the show's name we can't say. Or they'll say something like that. Um, yeah, it's like some FCC or whatever. I mean, FCC I'm like, or. okay, well, they should have. But Eugene and I guess it's Daniel Levy who are the co-producers, which are father-son, by the way. Magnificent. Magnificent. It's, um, I have no words to the, the wife in that, Moira, where the hell have I seen that actress before? What is it that she ever did that was very famous? I don't remember. But this show, I'm already on season two, Frank. This show is the one thing Beetlejuice, that Beetlejuice, the Beetlejuice mom. Remember the movie uh, Beetlejuice? Yes. Kathleen O'Hara. Oh, Kathleen she's, O'Hara. she's also the mom in Home Alone. Home Alone. That's where I know her and from. And the mom in Home Alone. It's less yeah. Beetlejuice. It's much more Home Alone. That's who she is. She's mom from Home Alone. Right? I don't I look. I don't know her, but I don't I remember the other day I told you I don't know a lot of actors and actresses by names. I know them by character. And as soon as you said the mom from Beetlejuice, I'm like, oh, hold on, the mom from Home Alone. She's more recognizable there. Definitely, definitely. Like the dad in, in Beetlejuice is the principal from Ferris Bueller's, but he's better right. known as the principal of Ferris Bueller. Which I, well, I don't know why I think that, that Eugene Levy's in Ferris Bueller for some reason. I don't know why I think he's in that movie. Is he not? Bueller. Is he Bueller Bueller? Bueller. Is that him? That's Ben Stein. That's Ben Stein. That's Ben Stein. That's not, that's not Eugene Levy. But I don't know. So anyway, enough You're of right. trying to figure this out. The show's magnificent. 22-minute episodes. You know that I like those. When you're binge watching, those are better than the 50-minute episodes because it's, it's a labor of love to get through one episode sometimes. As it is, the 23-minute ones sometimes are like, especially I catch them later in the day, so I'm a little more tired. This, this show is, is beyond magnificent. It's got gems inside of it. Um, there's an actor in it. Again, I'm not real good until you bring it up. He's the mayor of Schitt's Creek. But he is a very famous actor. I, I think he used to be he, famous comedian. I think he used to be on. I want to say he was on SNL, but maybe he wasn't. Uh, he's Oogie from. That's yeah. He's uh, he had a show that he was living with his parents for a long time. He also did um, Woogie from uh, Woogie. What, something about, about Mary. Mary. Yes. I said Oogie, but he's Woogie. Woogie. Yes. When you said Oogie, I think I was gonna say I think he's talking about something Woogie. about Mary. That's who he is. He's hysterical. He's very, very funny. And there's some characters in that, in that show that 
are dynamite. I would Chris Elliott. Chris Elliott is his Chris Elliott. I would invite you, Frank, to spend some time watching it once you're done with The Office sometime this year. Sometime. I don't hope. I hope by the end of this year. So have you started season seven at least? I'm like right at the end of season six. Oh my god. So so Mike Michael Scott just broke up with Donna. That's where I'm at. The one that he uh, was having the affair with. Spoiler yes, story. I know. Can, should I answer this? You can answer that. Good. You can keep talking the end. No, no, I got a better idea. Lair, 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 lair. Emilia. Lair, 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 lair. Emilia. As you can tell, I wasn't making this up, young Yendi. That's hilarious. Oh, Larry, 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 They'd have a CD or a cassette, a two cassette set with like 40 of the greatest hits. We want yes. to do one of those with Frank and Dono putting it together. Uh, That's too the much. Best, the best of the Larry Milian hits or something like that, and so they can have more of a field day with this. Four, tres, two, uno. This is the one I don't remember, actually. I don't remember this. To the L, to the A, to the R-R-Y, yes, he's so Larry L. To the A, to the R R Y, yes he's so Larry L. To the A, to the R R Y, yes he's so Larry L. To the A, to the to the to the hit it, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. You really can't. You really can't. <laughs> Can't hear it, Frank. Oh. Left a good job in flag football, working for Steve White on 790. And I never get two minutes of sleeping, working till 2 a.m. every night. Straussy keeps on talking, talking. Proud Larry keeps on sleeping, snoring, snoring. Snoring Sleepy Larry. I believe this was one day, Frank. Turn it up. I can't hear you guys. I think this was one day that, I don't know for what it was. I think I fell asleep. I went home. <laughs> I fell asleep and I couldn't wake up or something. And I woke up late, went to the studio, like got there after the first segment. And I think that that's one, where that one was spawned from. I hadn't heard that one in a long time. I forgot about that one, actually. You got some good ones there that I almost don't remember. Man, did you really get into the vault there, didn't you? I'm literally crying from laughing so hard. All right, on the other side, we'll get Will Manso to join us, talk about Heat Nation and the craziness. Maybe we'll greet him with some pots and pans on the other side. Good morning, amigos. Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Hey, this is Ron Rivera. This is the Slam Radio. 
He's out of his freaking mind. He's not. Crazy. And now we're back with Good Morning Amigo on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I'm going to ask our next guest. Leave it on. Don't you dare lower that. I guarantee you Will's screaming on the phone the same thing. Don't you dare lower that, Frank. Let it be. Ride it out, baby. Woo! Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, the PLG should be covering how we have our own pots and pans parade here on Good Morning Amigo. That's my little indirect to our next guest. He's a sports director over there at WPLG Local 10 where they were, they were dancing in the halls. And I know that Mr. Manso was going bananas because I know I, uh, I was in shock, actually, joining us here. Their best available Cuban, our best friend here. He's everyone's best friend, Will Manso. Right here on Good Morning Amigo. You can catch him every night on WPLG Local 10 News here in South Florida. He is their sports director. He also does a little work for the team that is now in the NBA Finals. Como estas, mi hermano? Man, still on cloud nine like all of you fans. It's, uh, what a <laughs> night. What a night. What a weekend in South Florida sports, Will. Like, before we get into the heat thing, like, think of the three things that happened this weekend connected to Miami and sports that under normal circumstances, first of all, would never happen on the same weekend. And second of all, w- would classify and could still classify as the single greatest sports weekend in Miami history because of the I fact mean, that the Marlins clinch a playoff spot, Miami Hurricane spanked the FSU Seminoles, and then the Miami Heat advanced to the NBA Finals. Like, this is unheard of. I mean, it was at the big events. There's no doubt about it. Those, that's the, the, the trifecta. But it really started Wednesday. You know, you had the Tyler Hero, you know, you're early in the week, you had the Tyler Hero game, and then Wednesday, and then Thursday, you had the Dolphins win, their first win of the season. Then Friday, you have the Marlins clinching and the emotional south from Don Manley. Saturday, you have the biggest butt-whipping in the history of full five before the state, most points ever scored by one of the teams in that rivalry matchup. And then last night, you have that, that incredible finish in the fourth quarter and the Heat had to, you know, their sixth NBA final. But I think we can all agree the most unprecedented of the six, the way they got it done and the team that got it done. So you, you can't – just stop, there's no comparison because, like you said, we normally wouldn't be – in September into October, we wouldn't be talking about Miami Heat in the finals. We'd be talking about the Miami Heat getting ready for training camp. <laughs> so – these things just didn't happen. And to, to combine that with Miami Florida State and the way the Kings looked at them being in the top 10, the Marlins in the playoffs for the third time in team history. But again, like the Heat in the unprecedented fashion, this is the most unprecedented of the Marlins playoff team coming off a 105 loss season. So it's just, I'm still on And the last few days have been just an emotional roller coaster. But after months and months of not having sports, we got everything all at once, and, man, it was fun. It was something else. Um, you've been around this team for a long time. Not dating you, but just being honest. Um, we've talked about the improbable nature of this five seed making it to a finals. At what point during the this playoff run 
did it dawn on you that this was possible? Because I'll be very honest with you, it took, <laughs> it took them going up 3-1 for me to realize that this could actually happen. Because before then, I was in awe that they were playing as well as they were. When they went up 3-0 Milwaukee, I said something's going on here. Because, you know, sweeping the Pacers, and the Pacers were a little beat up, and I thought even full strength, the Heat were the better team. So sweeping the Pacers didn't shock me. Being up 3-0 Milwaukee, I kind of looked at myself and said, man, I, I really think this team has got something special going. I mean, they're undefeated in the playoffs. They're about to take down at some point very soon, maybe even sweep, but it ended up being five games. The best team in the NBA record was. And I said, something special is going on here. It's not going to shock me if they win the Eastern Conference Championship. It's just the way they're playing. They look like the best team in the East. They believe they're the best team in the East. And they've got something that there's a special formula going on and a special belief that once it gets going, nothing surprises you. Well, Bam didn't surprise us last night. We've known that the potential of what we saw from him last night was there. Uh, but in a closeout game, to see him do what he did, uh, it reminds me of all the trade rumors that everybody wanted to throw Bam in. And all along, a lot of Heat faithful were like, let's just let this team play out. Let's just let this team play out. Uh, I I think what floors me the most is an acquisition of Jimmy Butler and a bunch of guys that probably on paper don't show an NBA Finals appearance. Like you don't, you just don't think that team's making it to the NBA Finals. Uh, Jimmy Butler plays a role on this team, will that goes underappreciated by people like me, for example, who didn't like him very much and have come to learn that his value is much deeper than than a stat line. Um, and it goes into other things, including the culture. What were your thoughts when he came to town? I know that you're very objective, you're very open-minded, your job is to obviously report. But I got to imagine, like many Heat fans, there were some, there were some inhibitions about a guy like Jimmy Butler. Uh, I was concerned. I wasn't sure what we had heard about him on other teams was true or not. And obviously, it wasn't true, because what we've seen from him here in Miami is, is just unbelievable. What leadership? But were you concerned that maybe we didn't go in the right direction when we got him? No, and I'll tell you why. This isn't me looking back and saying, hey, I told you so. You know, there are many times, there are many instances where I believe one thing, you know, most of the time. Like, we have our opinions and our thoughts on something, and it ends up being totally wrong. So I'm not going to sit here and say I'm perfect. But with Jimmy Butler, I felt he was a perfect fit. I really did. And, and I'll tell you why. Because over the years, you've been around the Heat a lot and seen the way they think. You know, we... we present the Heat culture and everything about the Heat, and we say how great it is, and it is, it is. But the one, the biggest quality, the biggest thing you could take away from Heat culture is that you've got to do everything you can to win, and winning is what matters, and being together and caring to win is what matters, and doing at, at all costs and working hard. And everything I'd ever heard about Jimmy Butler was, you heard the side talk about, oh, he's a locker room cancer, oh, he only cares about himself, or oh, he's easy to fluster and he, and he gets angry at his teammates. And I thought to myself, you know, he players to the years. What's the one thing your expulsion has said? And, you know, it's from Pat Riley down to Spo, but Spo has said it many times. I love the uncomfortable moments. I love the moments in the locker room and even in the game. You know, when Spo taught, you know, everybody points back to the big three era. And remember when they got up to the slow start that first year. And, and remember the bump, the LeBron bump. And everybody yes. thought, oh, Spo's done. Spo looks back at that with laughter because, because while we're panicking, right, and the country and all of NBA world is making a big deal out of it, 
Eric Spolster's like, bring it on, man. Like, this is what this is what makes a team better, these moments. And Jimmy Butler was on teams that didn't think that way. But the mindset and listening to Dwayne Wade talk about Jimmy, and then when Jimmy finally got here and knowing the relationship he had with Dwayne and that thought, this is the way the Heat operate, man. You've got to have thick skin. The 15th man on the roster should be able to tell the first man on the roster, wake up as much as the first man on the roster can tell the 15th man on the roster, get your act straight. You know, this is the way they have to hold each other accountable. So to answer your question, no, I'm not surprised. And no, I didn't expect Jimmy would be a disappointment or struggle here because he had the right fit. Now, Jimmy as a player is a whole different thing. I think there was the argument of whether Jimmy was really a star. I think there's, it's fair to say because he doesn't have the star-type game that's going to score 50 points in a game. You know, Jimmy's just not that player. But he, like even last night, he had 22. But he made all the right basketball plays in so many big moments that the stat line doesn't really show that. And, and so to me, it wasn't. And it's because the mindset of the Heat is exactly the way Jimmy Butler thinks. I brought up to Frank earlier in the show that there was a play that he made that was a five-point swing play that doesn't appear on a box score. And that there's a loose ball and the Celtics are about to gain possession of this loose ball as it's going out of bounds and get a quick two because it was under their basket. And there was a Celtic right under the basket, and when the ball goes to get passed to somebody underneath the basket for a quick layup, Butler was hanging out watching this all develop, snuck up, stole the saved, you know, it's not really a pass because they didn't have control of the ball, and it didn't log as a steal because of that. But the ball's going out of bounds. The guy figures, oh, I can get it to my guy who's wide open in the paint. When he goes to do it, Butler steps in front, gets the ball, puts it in transition. They go down court. Heat nail a three. It's a five-point swing play, and there's nothing on a stat line that shows you what Jimmy Butler did to make that happen. And that's those are the kind of plays that I've come to realize over the playoffs that make Jimmy Butler valuable. His appreciation yeah. for the Heat culture yeah. is, is yeah. obvious. And so, by the way, can I tell you about Jimmy, too, that I think people have to understand? Everything wasn't perfect this year with Jimmy. There were some uncomfortable moments. There were some times where guys got under each other's skin. I mean, this is not – let's not make this out to be some sweet – story where, you know what I mean, every day was, oh, everything's great, this is amazing. No, that's not how it was, but that's okay. Jimmy had his moments, and here's the thing, those moments in other locker rooms, in other teams that he's played on, would have then leaked out from people like, oh, Jimmy's difficult, he's a locker room cancer, this is, you know, right, right the headlines. You know, here it's like, no, 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 no. we're going to keep this in-house, and we're going to figure this out together and make us better, and it would. And by the next day or the next game, they'd be patting each other on the back, hugging, smiling, understanding that those moments and that uncomfortableness, it makes you better. And to your point, Jimmy shows what he does. He doesn't pre- – if Jimmy says, hey, everybody work hard, but he was the one sitting there with his feet kicked up and didn't hustle, what kind of a leader is that? But, no, those moments you just mentioned, players see that. Young players see it. Veterans see it. And all the uncomfortable moments and all the weird stuff and all the stuff that people talk about doesn't matter because he leads by example, and that's what makes his team better, and they all start to lead. Will Manso joining us here on Good Morning Amigo. What, what, the other thing that I've always felt in sports that's necessary is a good dynamic of veterans and young, talented players. This Miami Heat team is no different. One minute, you're applauding a guy like Goran Dragic uh, or a guy like Andre Iguodala for doing veteran work, or even a Jimmy Butler, and then... On the flip side, you got a kid like Tyler Hero who's not legal to drink, draining threes in big moments and really stepping up when the lights are shining brightest. 
Uh, is yeah. that the perfect combination for a championship team, or is this uh, is this going to be LeBron stomping us in the finals, and we can just look back and one you know enjoy the wonderful ride? LeBron is tough this year. His squad is tough to beat as well. Well, look, we can talk about the Lakers in a moment if you want. From from the Heat perspective, look, even doing highlights last night, the post game, you know, you're going from a 36 year old veteran who's got NBA title and championship experience, multiple rings, going four four for three to a 20-year-old kid who two years ago was in high school, hitting big shots in the fourth quarter, to a guy like Jimmy Butler who's been talking, he's 31 now, and has had his career talked about so much, and, and whether he's a great leader or what you know, what kind of player he is, you know, to Duncan Robinson hitting multiple threes, to Bam Adebayo at 23 years old, you know, going 32 and 14. And we haven't mentioned Goran Dragic. And the amazing thing, too, is the unselfishness. Here's Goran Dragic, who's waited his whole career for this. He, he's worked so hard. He's been an all-star. He's, he's just such a good NBA player. And last night, he had no impact in the fourth quarter because Eric Spolster felt that, hey, I got to go with the younger guys, with Duncan and Tyler for shooting, and Iggy's the hot, you know, the hot guy right now as a veteran. Did you see Gordon Rogers complaining or, or pouting or, or wishing he'd been there? No, you saw him cheering and jumping and screaming and encouraging. These guys have all bought in. There's no, they're so together that they don't care who gets it done. They just care that it gets done. That's a very rare quality when you're talking about older guys, veterans, young guys, that mix that came together to form this team that just turned out to be the perfect mix to make it to the NBA Finals. The other thing that goes underappreciated is when you have, in my opinion, the best damn head coach in the game in, in Eric Spolstra. Eric cultivates that, that heat culture if you will, but it comes from up above. You saw when he spoke, he he gave all the reverence to, obviously, the owner, and he called him the godfather. I mean, everyone understands Ryle's role in all of this. Um, that's something that seeps from the top down. What could you say about Eric Spolstra and his job this time around with this Heat team making it to the finals? He's led them to five of the six finals, by the way. Yeah, I think, you know, I think the, the honest truth is that, you know, Eric Spolstra's always been a great coach. And Eric Spolster's had to go through those moments and those ups and downs, you know, as a coach. But Spo has, to me, he's always been elite. So I think, is he, but he's been underappreciated because, and, and a lot of times by Heat fans, because he had the big three. And when he says, oh, well, I could coach with LeBron, Dwayne, and Chris Bosh, that's, first of all, that's not true. <laughs> Second of all, not every coach could make that work. Very few could, actually, because it's actually it's so difficult. Those personalities and the star and the alphas that you had in that locker room to be able to make it work for four years and win two championships and four straight finals. Eric Spolster is one of the few people that can handle that and do it. Uh, but Spolster is underappreciated, but here's the thing of the beauty of Spolster. He doesn't care. Spolster is always thinking of the next thing. You know, the, the, the way he handles guys from a psychological standpoint, the way he understands the game from a basketball standpoint, the way he works, I don't think people do, truly can grasp. And I've been fortunate to know Eric a long time. And I remember when he was a young assistant, when he after he you know was in that video room and worked his way, and you saw this young kid on the bench, and I would see him pregame, and, and you know he was always that determined look and doing everything that Pat Riley asked. And when a guy like Pat Riley has a twenty-something, then you know twenty-something-year-old kid be your right-hand man, you know what I mean? The guy that you count on to find the little nuances of the game and the little moments and the and, and the things that are going on. To me, that's all the all, all the endorsement that you need. So what what he's then become is not a surprise to me because Pat Riley handpicked him. I remember when Eric Spolstra got the job, and it was one of the few. I'm not a big breaking news guy; like I don't break many stories. But I remember breaking the Eric Spolstra story, 
And when everybody said to me, like, what? Eric Spolstra, that, that young guy, what, to replace Pat Riley? I said, guys, Pat's been saying this for years. You guys just haven't been listening. This is his protege. This is who he thinks is going to be the next him. And if Pat Riley thinks that, it's good enough for me. And good enough for me joining us, Will Manso, right here on Good Morning Amigo. I don't want to ask a prediction because obviously prediction puts us in a very tough state to go against our team if we want to be objective and think that the Lakers are going to win. I do, however, think if you let LeBron do what LeBron does and find a solution for AD, our other guys are better than their other guys. I can't help but think this isn't such a shoe-in like a lot of people in the NBA think. Can I, t- can I tell you something, brother? This is what I told Clay last night when we were, you know, Clay for, when we were getting ready for the show and on the show. The Lakers absolutely have the best two players in the series. Uh, and they, they, I don't care how much of a homer you are as a Heat fan. I don't care, like in our case, we've been watching this team our whole, you know, since their existence. We've covered them. LeBron James and Anthony Davis said, whatever order we're going to put them on the best two players in the series. That's it. Throw that to the side. Players three through ten in the series, to me, are my Heat players. <laughs> I think the Heat have been the next six, seven guys that are the best players in the series after the top two. So when you look at it that way, you say, okay, the Stars only tend to win, right? You, you, how do you score those Stars? But the Heat have, the, obviously, Bam and Jimmy are right there after AD, and, and LeBron is the best players in the series. But you get into the next wave. I mean, the Lakers, I'm sorry, the Lakers don't have a Goran Trockage. They don't have a, a, a Tyler Hero. They don't have a guy like Duncan Robinson. They don't have these. To me, that's the next grouping. And you go so on and so forth in depth and the Heat are better after that stretch. Now, to say you're better after LeBron and AD isn't saying much, right? Big picture, because if those guys dominate, it's going to be very difficult for the Heat to win this series. So to your point, this is where Eric Spolster is going to earn his money, and he always does. You've got to find a way, whether it's incorporating zone, where you frustrate the Lakers, and they're having a tough time shooting threes or getting the ball. Uh, look, I remember the earlier season matchup, which feels like 100 years ago. The Lakers were able to beat the zone at times, and they used it by getting the ball inside for a quick to AD. It's tough. You know, what's the best part of the zone if you can't hit threes is in that middle of the paint area. Mm-hmm. You know, get that, that little opening in That's the middle of the paint. That's what's open, of course. Yeah. So those are things that, that Eric Spolster is going to work on now with his staff at these next you know, 48 hours. But the reality is this. If you can just slow down AD or LeBron, I think the Heat then can stick around because I think after that grouping, they've got the best players in the series. And not only just a couple, but five, six, seven guys, eight guys who can give you production and, and keep you close in games. So that's all that matters in this game. Keep these games close. And one thing the Heat have proven in the NBA, in the NBA playoffs this year is that they know how to win close games. They just do. And they believe and they think they can get it done. So I'm not about to count out the Heat just because LeBron James and Anthony Davis are on the other side. Once upon a time, I saw a joke that said, if is a three-letter word. I never really, really could quite grasp the understanding of that joke until pretty much this morning. Uh, If is a really big word. If the Miami Heat were to actually win the NBA Finals this year, in your Miami Heat fandom opinion, would it be their greatest of their titles? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. it's already the greatest. We open by saying it's already the greatest of their six finals appearances. It just is. It's their first one without Dwayne Wade. You know, it's it's their first one without that cornerstone guy of the franchise leading the way, and it's it's so unprecedented, unexpected. The things that have happened, obviously, look outside of the real world to even get to this point. Aside from basketball, 
It's just there's nothing that compares. There's there's no comparison. There's just there's no comparison. If they win, it would be one of the, not only the most unprecedented championship in Heat history, the most special, but one of the most unprecedented championships in NBA history. Or underdog-wise, it's already one of the greatest, just to get to this point on odds against them going into the season and even going into the postseason. It's an incredible story. And, look, I'm so glad that, that Miami and South Florida, we get to experience this ride. Hopefully another you know six, seven games, and hopefully four of those beating Heat wins. Before I let you go, Will Manso, back in 1991, it was wide right. Then in 2002, it was wide left. On Saturday night at the Ruck, it was wide margin. 52-10 final. I've never, I told my son, Canes by 31, and he looked at me crooked. I didn't think I'd be off. Like, I didn't think they'd win by 42. Is it a testament of how bad FSU is? Or how good Miami is, and at number eighth ranked Miami at that now. It's both. Florida State's really bad. I mean, they're in a complete rebuild, and we happen to, as you might say, we obviously Kings alum and fans. You know, we happen to get them at a time where look, they were primed for a butt kicking. They just were, and but that that does not diminish or take away from the fact that Miami's legitimately good. And why? Well, a few reasons. I said it the other day, jokingly, the trifecta of Kings' dreams for fans. They have a quarterback. Derek King, this isn't some fluke three games. Derek King was already one of the best quarterbacks in the country when he arrived at Miami. Now we're just lucky to have him. Number two, they have an offensive coordinator. Red Lashley's system is exactly what Miami should have been doing all these years. All these years. Taking advantage of the speed that they have. Miami's always at the speed. We see it every weekend in the NFL. They just can never have the system to take advantage of it and the playmaking abilities. So they have an offensive coordinator. And number three, they've got a kicker. Jose Borgales, pretty much you get past midfield and you feel like you got three points. And that's something, you know, in the, in, the, in the last few years of Miami football, you get to the 10-yard line, you still didn't feel like you had three points. So you look at that combination, on top of already having a Manny Diaz-type defense, which we always know is aggressive playmaking, you know, Blake Baker, now is the D coordinator, get turnover chain, all that stuff. This team is legitimate. Are they legitimate enough to beat, you know, Clemson? This is even a little bit more so than the Heat versus the Lakers, kind of like David versus Goliath. This, this is... I mean, the, the, the Kings and Clemson, this is the ultimate reality check, progress report. Let's see where you really are coming up in two weeks. I'm not going to sit here and tell you the Kings are going to be Clemson, but if they could have this a game in the fourth quarter and have an opportunity to beat Clemson, then I'm going to tell you the Kings are legit. You can't even help but wonder if they could give them a game. There's something about college football that I've come to realize, and it's we've always had, like oh, I say always, the last few years we've been known for having a turnover-type defense, and we've always relied on that defense to be great. Somehow in college football, it's almost better to give up a little bit of that defense to have a high-powered offense. Oh, and, yeah. and I can't help but think, and I'm not predicting any upsets here, but I can't, think, I can't help but think that we can go toe-to-toe with Clemson because of the offense. And I think we lose because when the game's on the line, Clemson will be able to score on us. And, and yeah. I think that's going to be a very, very close game. Look, I, I think they're the real deal this Valley. year, though. Yeah, I mean, I know that you know, you're not going to have the, the fans and loud noise. But going into Death Valley, it's the best quarterback in the country. I'm the number one pick in the draft next year. And that, the skilled players on, on both sides of the ball, I, I think it's okay as a fan to sit there. The Canes can't think this way. they got to think they're going to go in there and win, and they can go toe-to-toe. As a fan, it's okay to think, hey, we're still not there yet. But, man, we're getting close, and this is the closest we've ever been in the last, say, eight to ten years plus of being that type of team. So let's see what happens in a couple of weeks. And even if they don't win, and it, this team is good, and, and I think that they can run the table on this season. I think they can be in the ACC title game. This is a fun, legitimately good team. 
you know, what's always a probability is the fact that when Miami sports is, is thriving and doing well, that we're going to have our best available Cuban on. But before we let you go, we have one more topic to touch on. As if there weren't enough miracles and good things happening in South Florida sports this weekend, on the fourth anniversary of the death of Jose Fernandez, the Miami Marlins clinch a playoff spot. You want to talk about improbable, young man. Uh, this is as improbable as it gets. I want to know what ran through your mind seeing Mattingly in tears. It was heartwarming, to say the least. I'm so stoked for them. I don't care if they don't win a playoff game. I'm just so happy that they did this. I'm so happy for Don Mattingly. I, you know, you, you and I know that you've talked about this many times. You know, I grew up a Yankee fan. Don Mattingly was my idol. You know, I've talked to Don about this jokingly, you know, over the years. Don was my idol. So to see them in the playoffs, and, you know, they honestly deserve they deserved as much coverage and love as the Heat got. Unfortunately for them, it came at a time where the Heat were going to the NBA Finals. And that would you know, that would never happen. The combination of stories, Marlins going to the playoffs, Heat going to the NBA Finals at the same two-day stretch, just wouldn't happen. So it's a shame that they haven't been the spotlight because the reality is they deserve that spotlight. But let's put it in the spotlight for a second and just say it's the best player in baseball. Don Manley is one of the kindest, you know, just the, the nicest people you'll ever meet on top of being who was a Hall of Fame talent. As, as, a, as a player, but he's a Hall of Fame talent as, as a person, too, and he was the perfect guy for that clubhouse, the way that he was able to deal with the adversity, and look, on the anniversary of the four years since the death of Jose, and, and what it meant to Donnie and the relationship, and to this organization, the darkest day in Marlins history, it, it just, to then turn it around, and on that day, be able to celebrate the most improbable playoffs on this team has ever had, first time in the postseason in 17 years, first winning record since 2009, uh, I love this team. Oh, and oh, by the way, we didn't even mention 18 players being out to start the season early in the year with COVID-19. I mean, it's sitting in a hotel room for nine, ten days, staring at a wall, wondering if there's even going to be a rest of the season for, you know, for those guys that were healthy. It's, it's, you couldn't even write this stuff, how it turned out. So I'm just very happy for Don. And, and nothing would shock me to see in the playoffs. This is the kind of team that'll lose game one, 17 to one, and then come back and win games two and three, two to one. I mean, that's just what this team is. Uh, that's so Miami Marlins. You couldn't have said it any better. I appreciate your time, sir. Uh, you know, always we do the little tidbit as we walk out. Uh, excited for our November 14th virtual walk for Alzheimer's, and we've been doing great stuff here at SLAM, not just SLAM Radio, but uh, a lot of our students are creating their teams so they can have their own virtual walks, and we're excited about your involvement. As you know that uh, myself and one of our co-hosts, young Yendi Alvarez, uh, works on the board for this, so we're, we're just stoked about, as it gets closer and closer, this unique and very different uh, event that we're going to host. Uh, we love having you part of it, and, and as we get closer, we'll talk a little more about all this stuff, and maybe we can even get uh, uh, maybe we can get Christy to come on as well. That would be really cool. Oh, it's always, listen, it's, you know how much this event means to me, and, and, and it, how much it means to my family, and it, it's I can't wait. I, like I said, I wish we could all be together because I love getting together and, and going for the walk and excited to perform. But we'll still make it work and, and we'll bring awareness and raise money and, and we're going to get it done. It'll be great for the association. This is, a, this is an incredible event every year. You, uh, you are excited about Wednesday. You have to be. Um, you have to be stoked about Wednesday simply because this is your Miami Heat. I know you work so closely to them and and you, if, if I brag about my relationships with that team, I can only imagine the close bonds you have with the people who work in, in, that, in that organization. And I think I can say this, and you'll just be nodding your head in agreement. That, that is about as classy an organization as you're going to find in all of sports. 
um, their family concept is real and it bleeds into people in the media and local media. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. You can add up the other sports teams combined in this town and they don't treat me the way the Miami Heat does. So I can I only mean, imagine with I, you. I, I told people something even at UMA Broadcasting seven years ago, and here I am. I'm just a low, you know, host, and sometimes do some courtside stuff while Jack's, you know, controls everything. I'm, I'm a broadcast. He's amazing at the broadcast. There, I could name you 50 people that are just so talented and great. And you know, here I am, that that guy that just gets there and, and, and is part of it. And from day one, they make you feel like family, and they'll do anything for your family. You know, and that that just tells you the way they. And, and you see it, you you see it, the arena, and the ushers that work there, and the security that works there. You feel, though everybody feels like family. So when something like this happens, it feels like your family, your that family pride of the success that they're having. I've explained this before. When you get in there, like obviously we, we don't do this now because of pandemic, but like when we'd go cover one of these playoff games, we'd get there a couple of hours early, right? We'd go underneath, we'd get everything checked, the dogs would check the bags, and, and we'd see the same faces walking through. Maybe we'd go to where you know the media dining room was and we'd sit. I'd often see you there. And it was usually the same faces that said hello to you, the same faces that held the door open for the elevator, that helped you with anything that you needed. Um, that That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. We heard when Wade you know, retired last year, he talked about these very people. It's no lie. And uh, and that's the one thing I think I miss from this run is there's a little selfish nature to me knowing that I would have been at 6.01 at some point during the finals again. Uh, missing that opportunity sort of sucks, but I'm going to watch with a big smile on my face, and I'm sure you'll do the same. I can't wait, man. It's going to be a hopefully win, but win or lose, it's going to be it's going to be an exciting couple of weeks, and, and it's just an incredible story. Indeed it is. Well, man, so thank you for joining us, brother. I know we went long today, but I like talking to you. You know that. And this this was an occasion that warranted the longer interview. There was a lot of stuff that went down this weekend. Great week. Yeah. Is, I mean, this, we, we broke into the school. I don't know if you know. We broke into the school today. Like, at any point, the cops will be coming through to get me out of here. But we broke into the school. I mean, I don't break in. I have the key. You know, but but no one's here. I didn't break in, for the record. She's on Zoom. But I broke in. Frank came with me. He says, I better not get in trouble. Yeah, there's nobody here. It's a, it's a teacher work day. All the teachers are at home. Well, teachers are at home regardless because we're in pandemic. There's nobody in the building. Not a security guard. Nothing. We just decided it was an important enough sports day here in South Florida that we'd break in and do our job. And if there's ever a time to break into a school, it's today. That's, that's, ex- it. that's exactly what I said. That's I mean, yeah. great minds think alike. That's why we're breaking in, baby. Woo! <laughs> uh, all right, brother, before I say goodbye, that's for you, brother. Thanks, sir. Let's keep the pots and pans rolling. Absolutely. We'll continue. Uh, keep it continue all the way to an NBA championship, God willing. Thank you for joining us, Will. We'll talk to you soon, brother. Thanks, right, brother. Take care, guys. Take care. I went along with him, but that's good. I like talking to him. He's going to kill me for going so long. I don't know. He doesn't like to go more than 15, 18 minutes. I went 30. He's great, though. He's, he's always awesome. so good. And the fact that he's the voice like for the Miami Heat just makes it so much better because he is from here. He is hometown. Three different subjects we couldn't ignore. On any given day, one of those subjects would have been the entire interview. Go ahead, Frank. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, I'm good. Go. Oh, I thought you were going to say something. No, no. Oh, I'm watching you on the video here. It looked like you were about to. I'm just in and setup the fact mode. That he, the fact that he's involved in Alzheimer's just makes me like him even more. I know, I know that's why you like And he's a real health nut, so I'm sure you like that. He, he's not remiss to do a yoga thing or two. His wife is very health conscious as well. And, um, it's a good example to follow, Larry. Yes, yes, it is. It, it, it's a very good example to follow. Following your example, I've spent all kinds of money at Wild Fork um, and almost burning down my house. Do you think we should... What happened? Well, I haven't really been specific about that, but I... Uh, 
And all the excitement of the University of Miami whooping up on FSU, I, I forgot I left something on the grill. And uh, that was rookie almost catastrophic. Mistake. Rookie I never make a rookie mistake. It just, I became very distracted by the people who were at my house. And what's funny was I was done cooking, Frank. Done. But there was a piece of chicken, knowing how the missus is, I said, let me put this on for five, not even three, four more minutes and just get it another little browning just so that I don't hear anything. Um, and I put it, and what I never do, I close the lid. I never close the lid. The only time I'll close the lid is I'm going to monitor it so that it heats up a little bit. If I'm doing burgers, there's certain meats that I'll, that I'll close it so you get that little hot box thing going and then you open it up again and then it cools down. But it helps in the cooking and the... And, I like for it to be nice and moist in the middle, but I like that whole, you know, barbecue bronze on the top. So I, I, I've learned how to do that. But for some reason, I walked away from it, got caught up in the football game, and I almost caused a fire in my house. It was pretty upsetting, to be honest with you. Yeah. People at Wild Fork know me by my first name already. Yeah, they know, they know David and myself on separate, <laughs> separately and together. You're back, they told me. But yeah, you're back. Hey, I mean, yeah. How you doing? How you doing? But but they're out of chimichurri sauce. I'm very upset at them. Already? They're out of it. And they're like, they go on back order for this stuff. I'm like, well, they're mass producing. Phenomenal. Mass producing. I don't want to have to buy another brand. I'm not going to name because then it's going to sound like I'm bad mouthing the other brand. Or it's something. something about that chimichurri. It's just, yeah. it's phenomenal. It's different from any other one I've tasted. That's what. Uh, no, I won't. Frank, it was too, it's low-hanging fruit. I can't do that to Andy. She's new. I can't. Frank, no, I'm not going to, no. <laughs> don't do Stop it. talking don't in my ear. Don't do it because I don't have to do it. Don't do it. Stop talking in my ear. Don't. I, all right. That's what she said. The views and opinions expressed on Good Morning Amigo are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.